You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, how's it going? As always, it's your boy Sosa Kermenges, fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus, and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. As always, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked on Rams podcast. You guys know former host Brad Motter is going to join me right here, right now. And as always, we're going to kind of touch on some very interesting topics, which are going to include... You know, obviously the game recap between the Los Angeles Rams and the Miami Dolphins to which the Rams lost by a score of 28 to 17. We're also going to talk about some trending players that are trending the stock up and stock down sections in our second segment of today's episode. And then to top it all off, we're going to kind of talk about the activity or I guess inactivity of the trade deadline as well as where the Rams shake out in the NFC West. And so my man, Brad, I know you watched the game, obviously. It was a little bit of a frustrating one, probably, for most Rams fans and listeners. How did you uh, watch it? How did you feel? What did you come away with? Oh, yeah. I mean, you nailed all these, those emotions there, right? And it's like, it goes back to the days of, like, when you see the Miami Dolphins on your schedule. Like, I guess if you go way back, you had Dan Marino. Maybe there's a different talk. But it, in recent world, it's like, oh, that's a W. Yep. And so when you go down there to Miami and you don't get a W, it's a little disappointing. And we don't have our, our six-pack segment, so no beers today. And uh, it's election day here uh, in the U.S. I know you're up there in Canada, but so I'm going straight whiskey. I don't know if you can hear the ice cubes. <laughs> I just got a couple in there, but uh, I'm still I'm still keeping our tradition alive. It's just a remix version because uh, beer wouldn't cure my uh, my headache with that Rams game. But there are some good things to take away, and I think I had a couple people tweet out to me and say like. Brad, still give us some of that optimism that you bring because I tweeted out, can't wait for Wednesday's edition right after the game because I was heated, man. I was ready to unload uh, as it was probably one of Jared Goff's worst performances of his career. And somehow our defense kept us in it. I mean, you take away that crazy fumble return for a touchdown and a punt return touchdown. I know you can't just take those things away, but those are kind of fluke scores. Not a lot of punt return touchdowns, especially under the Rams special teams over the past, you know, X amount of years, whatever you want to fill in there, five, 10 years or whatever it's been. I know we have a new transition with coaching there, but uh, those are fluke touchdowns in my mind. You take those away and the Rams are right back in that game and and probably win that game, right? Our defense did such a great job and there's still things to kind of pick a part of it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a rough one to watch, especially as I have my friends and family text me, they know how much I'm into the Rams and they're checking scoreboards. And, you know, I think, you may have said it or someone on ESPN LA, but the, you know, the Dolphins put up, you know, a seven, nothing Rams and the Dolphins put up 14 points or 21 points in like a four minute time. period. It was just like a wave of points that came over the Rams. And if you missed, you know, if you went to the grocery store to pick up something and came back, yeah. you know, you didn't know what the heck happened. And I was getting those texts flying in. Um, but I do quickly want to mention uh, a listener of our show, Jason at turbo, Fargo, I want to give him a big shout out because he went into surgery. Uh, he's, you know, messaged us many of times and is a listener. And, and he told me before this, hey, man, this game was, was going to be rough. Like, bring it 
when you guys start the podcast because through his recovery he's going to be doing it when he got out of surgery uh so i just want to give him some well wishes you know we we love all of our ramley here and it kind of brings you back to the bigger picture this game sucked but it's nice to hear some of these positive things coming out uh for jason and surgery so just want to give that quick shout out while uh we are starting off here it's not all terrible and we'll get into this game a little bit further and we'll kind of look at the mid season where we're at right now in that third segment but uh, it was a rough game to watch, and there were, you know, few small positives that came out of it, but a lot of ugh, and a lot of whiskey now for me. Absolutely, and I'm really glad you brought that up. So uh, I know Jason's wife updated us on Twitter not too long ago. Obviously, this is coming out a little later, so um, it sounds like so far things are, you know, going well. And uh, Jason, we're thinking of you, buddy, and hopefully, you know, it's a quick recovery. And hopefully the Rams can come back for you very soon. You know, things are going to really ramp up here in that second half of the season you know the first half of the season was great it was fun you know the Rams came out of it at five and three and you know obviously this game is going to leave a little bit of a bad taste in our mouths going into the bye week because now we have to stew over this loss you know that like you mentioned was pretty fluky let's be honest you know if the Rams and the Dolphins play 10 times how many times do the Rams lose you know what I mean I yeah I feel very confident that obviously the Rams are a better team not only that but you know in the past this is the kind of a game that you know, the Rams maybe would have looked just absolutely horrendous. And, you know, we've seen it against really every year against the Bears in the past. We've seen it uh, against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like in this one, the Rams at least looked, you know, competitive against who, again, was one of Coach Belichick's disciples in Brian Flores, the head coach for Miami. So um, and not only that, but like you mentioned, the defense played fantastic. I mean, it was definitely their best game. I would say probably, you know, this season, they didn't even allow 150 total yards of offense for the Dolphins and so there's like you know some good things to take away from this game obviously there is some concern when it comes to the offense and not really the fact that you know they played a bad game I think it's more so that it's just kind of a lingering issue kind of going against that blitz we've now seen it like I mentioned in multiple seasons it's pretty much been uh, a reoccurring theme for the Rams and you know from 2017 to 2018 2019 and then now uh, why they can't best this defense that you know the Patriots did it the Dolphins did it the Lions did it really every uh, disciple of coach Belichick and his coaching tree has had a very successful time coming against Sean McVay's offenses and so uh, that's something I guess and no adjustments yeah that was the thing that frustrated me no adjustment along the way right yeah he, they're showing this front and we don't have enough guys to protect it and Jared Goff should know that and if he does know that and the whole plan of that defense as you talked about earlier in this week is they're basically telling you you need to get the ball out quick and he didn't and he took two sacks and then he had Four turnovers altogether, which was really frustrating. It was just like, is somebody, and we got this offense coordinator now, and we thought, hey, this would help when McVay gets in these sticky situations. What was it, 61 passing attempts from Jared Goff? I get in the fourth quarter, we're down. We got we don't have a lot of time. We got to do some things. But there was even in the fourth where they were still handing the ball off a couple times, and I'm going, oh, now you want to run the ball. Yeah. Now you're down two scores, and you want to run the ball now? Um, and you know, that kick to kind of make it a one possession game was probably the most embarrassing kick I've ever seen. You talked <laughs> about it. It was horrendous. And it, it, you know, you kind of mentioned, uh, when four bath came out, you had a little bit easier of a mindset. I didn't, I don't know about anybody else. I was just as, as nervous. I mean, it didn't, it, it would just, and then seeing that kick now, my, my mind is like messed up for his next 20 attempts. Cause I'm like, is that in there? Is that a one out of five kicks? Is that one out of three kicks? Or is that one out of 20? Right. Mm-hmm. It was just a weird and the last thing I'll say, because I know we got to move on to our next segment, but um, I saw a, I think they put this up on the broadcast as well, but 
um, was the temperature, right? And I know that's yeah. like a really weak excuse or whatever. I, I haven't got a screenshot here. I'm getting to it here. 139 degrees, I think it says, for the Rams sideline. And then it was like 80 degrees for the Dolphins sideline. And I, I heard someone in the betting world that talked about, you know, the away team on a hot day down in Miami when you're getting, I mean, what is that? Almost a 60 degree temperature difference. Mm-hmm. Um, not an excuse, but that first half you're melting. And when you go down and, and you make those mistakes and you're down big early and you got to claw back in, not a huge, you know, thing I want to circle, but at the same time, I think it needs some attention. 60 degrees difference in the sun and in the shade between those two sidelines and the Rams looked it in the first half. They look melted. Yeah. You know, I, a little nut to crack there. I could really talk about that all day. I think it's just honestly a little bit disrespectful to the players and you know that's not just because it's the rams or i mean we're talking about billion dollar stadiums and multi-million dollar businesses and uh these players that like are you know they're sacrificing so much to play and to entertain us really especially in this pandemic now and we're really like stooping so low to try and get any competitive advantage that we would put like a player's health at risk you know i think that's really corny but um that's not really a shot at the dolphins a lot of teams do that and i would just like to see that you know change as as soon as possible and Hopefully that's not something that nobody has to deal with moving forward. But I wonder, can, can you not pack a shade tent on the road? Like, just be like, screw you yeah, guys. We're going to bring up. a, like, like the big blue tent yeah. for when you go get checked out for health, but just have the whole freaking sideline like that and say, well, you know, like, what, where's that against the rules or something? Yeah. But I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, it's not an excuse I want to live on, but I definitely, when I saw that and then I saw the screenshot later, I was like, oh my good Lord, like 139 degrees with full pads on and then you're getting hit in the mouth. I mean, it's not a best way to to have your, your mental state when you're, especially when some fluke plays are happening, but no excuses. The Rams got their butts kicked. They get to regroup. Sean McVay said it best, you know, uh, the, the setback sets up for the comeback or whatever that cliche line is. He said it. I trust him. I believe him in that sense. He's a great motivator. He'll have these guys ready because guess what? Seattle's coming around the corner, which we'll talk about next week. And, uh, you got to get right. Cause, uh, in this division, it comes at you quick. Absolutely. And with that being said, you know, the Rams obviously didn't perform up to their standards or really to the standards of anyone that covers the Rams, media included, and so on and so forth. But with that being said, there's always players that, you know, perform well in games and don't perform so well in games. And that's why we're going to share our stock up and stock down players that are trending in either direction in the next segment. And while we've got you, come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP. You can find Brad at LA underscore Rambling Bear. And you can find the page at Locked On Rams. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. This past week was not so fun for me. I was kind of watching, stewing on the couch, and a little bit of disappointment and a whole lot of frustration. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Welcome back to the second segment of our Wednesday edition of the Locked on Rams podcast. And as I mentioned before the break, Brad and I are now going to share one player each that is trending in the stock up direction as well as the stock down direction based off of what happened in week eight between the Los Angeles Rams and the Miami Dolphins. Now, obviously, the offense did not perform well. And, you know, there was a whole lot of mistakes on that side of the ball. Very frustrating performance. And then on the other side, you got a defensive side of the ball where the Rams look just absolutely outstanding. And then, you know, we didn't even mention the special teams, which also look mistake prone, which kind of has been a reoccurring theme this whole season. And it's been very frustrating, but uh, we're going to start with a positive mood here and we're going to kind of share our stock up players here. So 
Brad, why don't you share your first stock up player and then we'll go back and forth. Yeah, like we said, on the defense side of the ball, there's a lot of guys you could pick from, right? I think you touched on it yesterday. You talked about the linebackers having some of their best performances, which I still like it goes back to the first thing we said in the first segment is like the Dolphins offense was that bad. Did the linebackers play that well or was it Mm -hmm. a mixture of, you know, not having a lot of targets? And but we'll take that positive. note. I'm not trying to knock them there. Um, And then on the on the offense side, I think you also highlighted a little bit. Uh, Robert Woods yesterday, always, I think you you called him the safest offensive weapon or the safest choice in any Ram jersey, really. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. I mean, he's one of those guys that is just, you can always count on. He's like Hecker in the special teams unit, typically. I mean, obviously, it's not his fault the punt came back. Maybe it was. He boomed that one. But uh, focus, Brad, focus, positive player. I'm going to go with a guy that I had kind of tabbed as being a really big part of this defense. And early on in the season, he wasn't. But he didn't put his head down. He didn't pout. He didn't feel bad for himself. He just kind of kept uh, fighting through. And that's Taylor Rapp, uh, UW, uh, former UWer. 85.1 was his PFF grade. Uh, that is his season best. Uh, so he performed really well. I think he had a pass deflect. I think he had four tackles. Uh, you probably gave some better stats yesterday on his coverage. I know you you kind of talked through that, that whole secondary. But Taylor Rapp, I just thought he played well. And he played a lot of snaps, and I think it's going to be really important for him to continue to improve from last year where we were really excited about him. And then early this year, uh, just didn't get a lot of opportunities. And we saw Burgess get in there. And obviously with his injury and Fuller's injury, um, you know, he's going to have to fill in and really continue to play better. So it was it was encouraging out of that strong defense and that secondary to see a guy like Taylor Rapp again. Not pout because he didn't get early playing time. Just kind of stick it out. And in a weird way, offensively, I'm kind of hoping the same for Cam Akers, right? We keep saying, get Cam more the ball. get Cam. And he seems to be, when he gets his opportunities, he takes advantage of them. And I, and I really love that from Taylor Rapp. Just getting in there. Uh, best pro football focus grade of the season for him. And I'm kind of hoping he takes this uh, and kind of runs with it. And he can be a guy that can contribute on that defense. Because as we've talked about many times, that defense is the star of this team. And if we can have more guys like that contribute, it only gets better. I absolutely love that selection that you picked there. Obviously, like you mentioned, Rap didn't have the best start to the season. Well, he didn't really play at first, but you know, when he came in, it wasn't so clean. But uh, to touch on that, he was only targeted one time yesterday and he actually didn't give up any catches, no receptions, nothing. He was a clean sheet for him. And he actually was one of the higher graded defenders in coverage with his 77.9 coverage grade. So like you mentioned, playing great, And it's good to see with all the injuries, obviously, there. But, you know, I'm going to stick in that secondary, too. And stop me if you've heard this before. You know, (laughs) I am the driver of this bandwagon. I am the stan. My man, Darius Williams, the best player, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. You know, outside of Aaron Donald, of course. But uh, on week in week eight, I thought he was just great. I mean, he was targeted four times. He gave up two receptions, which, you know, is not ideal. But it was for a total of eight yards. I mean, that's not even what the heck is eight yards? I gave up almost eight <laughs> yards watching from my couch. Like uh, the dude was incredible. He actually forced two incompletions in this game. And one of them was that near pick on the left sideline there where he was kind of targeted on a contested catch. He was in very good coverage and it was just textbook cornerback play. I mentioned this earlier in the week. He kind of just shot his timing real well with his hands, put it in between the receiver's hands and yanked the ball out, nearly picked it off. And he kind of looked like he got shaken up there for a second, but um, he bounced back and obviously he had a great game. And that was very important. Because Jalen Ramsey was not playing in this game. He missed the game due to an illness that kind of randomly propped up from nowhere, I think. And that put more on Williams' plate. And he answered the bell uh, in a big way because he was a huge part of why the defense was so good on Sunday. And 
with that being said, now we got to kind of talk about some guys that didn't perform so well, and that probably means we're going to be jumping to the other side of the ball, I'm guessing. So (laughs) why don't you share your first stock down? Yeah, I got to double down on that, that play that Williams made and almost took that interception because I Mm -hmm. jumped out and I was, you were the first person I thought of. I was like, man, Sosa's got to be just loving this. (laughs) He's got to be just clapping so loud right now because you have been on that bandwagon since day one. And really going in, into the offseason, we talked a little bit and kind of players we were excited for. So it's awesome to see him, especially step up when Jalen Ramsey goes down to kind of say, hey, I'll take on this on my shoulders. I'm a, I'm a CB1 in my mind, so let's go. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun to watch. But now on to that negative side of things. And really, I, I don't have the best memory, but I don't think I've had this player as a trending down, which kind of makes me feel good that we're this far into the season. We're eight games in. And I haven't had a Jared Goff trending down, but the day is today. Jared Goff, you are in the trending down section, my friend. 35 of 61, 355 yards. If you if you just go to his yardage right away, you're like, all right. Uh, average 5.8. That's kind of been the story all season for that offense. Not a lot of uh, deep throws down the field, which is a little disappointing. I'm hoping to see that a little bit more, uh, whether that's the play calling, whether that's Jared Goff just letting it rip down the field. Maybe it's a, a mix of both. One touchdown Two interceptions. He took those two sacks I talked about earlier. A 12.8 QBR. A 12.8 QBR. (laughs) One more time, 12.8. That's ridiculous. Um, And that also is ridiculous is the two fumbles. And both of them lost. And we talked about this coming into the season. And even on uh, the divisional crossover I had with the rest of the guys before uh, the season started. And I was talking, like, if we're going to be successful, Jared Goff has to protect the ball. Not only throwing it. But dropping the ball, I think he had, it was something like 23 turnovers last year, like 12 fumbles. I don't even know. Those stats might be a little skewed right now in my mind, but it was bad last year. And he was putting the ball on the ground a lot. He's done a lot better so far this season. Uh, On Sunday was not the case. And he got rocked and, and a few of them maybe are more design fails and really putting him in a bad position. But again, when you address the line of scrimmage, you see all these guys up there and you're in an empty set. Um, I think he had uh, a blocker back there. It might've been Henderson um, when he took that one sack fumble that went, but again, you got to be aware. And the, and the Rams were driving. I think we were up seven, nothing at that point, or it was seven, seven. There was, we were on the move. We were inside their 30 when that happened. They picked it up and returned it a big one. Uh, obviously we go three and out after that and then a punt return. So the tide turned quickly with that. Jared Goff cannot be doing those things. I was extremely disappointed with his overall performance. He had his, after uh, his post-game press conference, and he said, I got to do better. I got to, yeah. and I've heard it from Jared Goff. And he's he's told us before, after that rookie year, I will, I will be better. And he kind of kind of leaned into something like that in his post-game press conference. But hey, this is the show me, don't tell me league. I'm going to need Jared Goff to come back strong in that week against the Seahawks because this was a poor, poor way to go to the bye for him. Again, some of that is the way that the offense was called. Some of that's got to be on him. You know that you're getting a lot of pressure, especially by the third and fourth quarter. Like, this is nothing new. It's happened for two quarters in a row. They've been coming in your face. you got to get rid of that fast. Jared Goff, man, trending down. Prove it to me that you deserve to be back up there and off this list. I love that you highlighted that because sometimes – you know, compounding a bad play and turning it into a terrible one is the worst mistake you can make. And you know what I mean? Like it, you can eat the sack. The sack is all right to eat sometimes. Hold on to that ball and eat the sack and, you know, take the loss and, and get back in the huddle and try to rebound the next play as opposed to, you know, being so careless with the football and always fumbling. And uh, like you mentioned last year, there was a huge issue for him, which hasn't really been an issue for him this season, which is good to see. But, you know, it takes such a bad mistakes and it makes it so much worse. And like you mentioned, I mean, the Rams were, 
tied 7-7, and two minutes later, they were down 21-7, to and that's how those kind of things happen, unfortunately. But I'm going to stick with the offense like you did. Uh, I'm going to go with the offensive line as a whole. They did not play well. Uh, like you mentioned, obviously, you know, and I, like I mentioned all week, the Dolphins were happy to blitz and play man coverage on the back end. No safety help. That's known as a cover zero defense, essentially. And for whatever reason, Jared Goff could not identify where the blitzers were coming from all game. The offensive line did him no favors whatsoever, not being able to pick up random blitzers and uh, identify who's coming in on the blitz as well. So that was very unfortunate to see. And they actually allowed a total of 10 pressures. And really the only player that graded out well amongst those guys was left tackle Andrew Whitworth. So, you know, anytime you got four offensive linemen grading out pretty badly in pass protection, you're probably not going to have a very good, you know, game as, as it pertains to the passing offense. And that was obviously the case for the Rams. Now, I have trust that these guys are going to bounce back. You know, they've done very well all season and they've performed very well. They've been a very good unit together. And unfortunately, you know, this game was just, and they got exposed really by way of the blitz and by way of game planning. And that's a shout out to Brian Flores for his preparation. And, you know, the Rams just got to bounce back and come back stronger next time because they got a big game against the Seattle Seahawks coming up. And with that being said, in the final segment, Brad and I are going to touch on the status of what the NFC West looks like, whether the Rams are in a good position right now, whether they're in a bad position and their activity, or I guess inactivity at the NFL trade deadline and make sure to check back on Thursday for when I share our midseason awards for the Los Angeles Rams players that have, you know, played well in terms of the MVP award, who might be the comeback player of the year award, and even the rookie of the year award. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last 24 months. With that being the case, I've been on the lookout for the perfect protein bar and I finally stumbled upon one called the Built Bar. You need to check them out. They're absolutely delicious and they offer 18 different flavors so you can never really get bored. The bars are also healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They've got 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber and they even work for those on the keto diet. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome to the final segment of this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Rams podcast. As I mentioned before the break, Brad and I are now going to touch upon you know where the Rams kind of sit in this NFC West and how they were inactive at the trade deadline and whether that might come back to haunt them or not and you know, what the schedule looks like for the Rams moving forward and whether or not they're kind of positioned in a good place as it pertains to, you know, potentially grabbing one of seven, yes, seven potential NFC playoff spots. Obviously, the NFL has expanded their playoff coverage. And not only that, but they actually just proposed another idea to bring in eight teams from each conference. So not only (laughs) six, not seven, but eight. So we don't know if that's going to pass or what the hell is going on with this season right now. Uh, obviously that would give the Rams probably, I'm guessing a better chance. I don't know how they would do it, whether they would do it by, you know, two teams from each division or what their plan would be. But, um, so obviously the Rams are trying to get into one of these playoff spots and we know how important divisional games are when it comes to the NFL. The Rams are still in a decent spot right now. They're in third in the NFC West. Obviously the Seattle Seahawks are in first at six and one. The Arizona Cardinals are second at five and two. The Rams are now in third at five and three. And the San Francisco 49ers are sitting in dead last. Yep, you heard that, dead last at 4-4. Four and four. Uh, So, Brad, why don't you kind of just kick it off and, you know, tell us how you think the Rams look right now, uh, what, you know, they may 
be able to do over the second half of the season here and whether or not they're going to kind of position themselves in a good spot as it pertains to a potential playoff spot. Yeah, look, I mean, they're in an interesting situation, right? Because you mentioned you just gave the rundown of the NFC West. It's the toughest division by far in the NFC, potentially in the NFL. Um, the Niners are dead, man. I'll just tell you right now, it's done and dusted for the Niners. They, they, you know, they lost Jimmy G. They're talking about it's even another injury on top of his ankle injury, and they're going to be cautious with it. George Kittle's out potentially to the end of the season, they're talking about. So there go their two big guns. The defense continues to get banged up. I mean, there's it's IR central there. They're going to continue to stack L's. We just got to make sure that we give them one because they already gave us a loss earlier in the season. Um, but I'm not worried about them. Arizona. They got to prove to me they can beat the Rams. The Rams have won every single game since Sean McVay got here, and they've been winning by like 17 points or more is the average, I believe, uh, in that matchup. So they're a different team, and I, you know I think they've got a chance to make it closer, but they got to beat us before I really believe the Arizona Cardinals. And Seattle, again, wins close games, and so I still look at them as vulnerable. So looking at this division, I still... I think my early projection was the Rams were going to finish second in this division. I still think as things play out, that's what's going to happen for the Rams, which would find them in a playoff spot, especially knowing how tough our division is and how many teams may represent it. And as you mentioned just there, they just keep adding extra playoff teams every day. By the time we get to the end of the season, they're going to be like, hey, you know, let's make it this like an NCAA tournament. Everybody's in 32 (laughs) teams or whatever, and let's just have at it. Um, But I think the Rams are in a good position. You're looking at the NFC West as a whole, um, you know, the, Outside of the NFC West, there's only three other teams that have positive point differentials. Um, So scoring more points than you're giving up, right? Only three other teams in the NFC. That's Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans. That's it. Every other team is in the NFC West. The Rams are right there, plus 41. I think they're going to get this thing figured out. Their defense is good enough. I mean, we've been talking about it, and Jalen Rams didn't even play. Thankfully, he wasn't feeling well. We haven't heard any COVID talk or anybody you know, keeping at home. He just sounds like he's feeling better, which is always good. Um, but I think the Rams are going to kind of find their way in this division. They do have the third toughest remaining schedule, obviously because they've got a lot of those divisional games left. Uh, they also play the likes of uh tampa bay as well on monday night football they've got a couple other tough matchups along the way so they're gonna have to prove it we stacked those early wins against the nfc east that was valuable to the rams really to have some wins but again as looking at i don't want to say the negative side who have they beat other than the nfc east they beat the bears uh that's it right so we got it we got to start putting some wins on this map here soon and hopefully we're gonna have a chance to do it against the nfc west i think we got a good chance against seattle coming off the bye at home Again, Seattle wins a lot of those close games, but if we find a way to shut it down with the defense, make a big play defensively, I think that's a great way to kick off the second half of the season. Uh, I believe we go to Tampa Bay on Monday night after that or within the next week or so, uh, and that's a big game. We see that Tampa Bay has been vulnerable. The Bears beat them. The Giants almost beat them uh, on Monday night football. I think that's a winnable game. So I, I like the Rams to get into the playoffs and to make a push and um, I think I told you off air, I've got a bet with a, a buddy of mine in Chicago. I have the Rams over one and a half wins in the playoffs. Uh, so they got to do some work for me too. two wins in the playoffs. I think is realistic for the Rams and this team. If they can get it together on the offensive side of the ball, it could be dangerous late, but uh, the, the way it shakes out in the NFC West, I see them second um, until they can maybe potentially knock off the Seahawks. I mean, this the first place still isn't outside of uh, the, you know, the realm of possibilities. Yeah. I think I pretty much agree with you there. You know, the Seahawks, it's not over. You know, it's definitely not over. There haven't been even remotely close to enough divisional games being played yet. Uh, But to me, the Seahawks just feel like they're in a different class as it pertains to that NFC West. Now, you know, 
good thing for the Rams is that they play the NFC West really, really good and really, really tough pretty much every year under Sean McVay. And even dating back to a guy like Jeff Fisher, really, when you consider the Rams games against the Seahawks, uh, you know, they got a chance here. They got still two games against the Seahawks. They still have one game against the 49ers who look to be battered and bruised beyond belief. And they still got two games against the Arizona Cardinals. And then, you know, obviously the second half of their schedule is pretty damn tough. They got outside their conference. They got teams like the New England Patriots who we don't really even know what to make of right now. Uh, they got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously. And I don't know that they really have any gimmies. You know, obviously they got the New York Jets, which is a pretty easy one. But outside of that, it's going to be very, very tough sledding for the Rams. And, you know, with that being said, it's really going to come down to how they do in their divisional games. Now, uh, the Rams didn't look good against the 49ers a few weeks back. But with that being said, there's a lot still on the table here. The Rams are literally right in the thick of things. And let's be honest, the NFC West might be good enough to send at least three teams to the playoffs this right? season. Yeah. Maybe even four had the 49ers being healthy. You know what I mean? So um, I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, if they can't get the NFC West crown, it's not over. You know, you want to still get in the playoffs. And then you consider the fact that an NFC East team is going to be in the playoffs as well. You might want to actually face them. You know what I mean? The first round of playoffs. Wouldn't you feel pretty good about yourself going against a seven and eight and one win team or something like that in the Philadelphia Eagles or whoever may win that division? Like getting in the playoffs is just one story. And, you know, winning the NFC West is going to be one way to do it. But the NFC West looks very good and good enough to actually send for sure two teams, potentially three and. I wouldn't be shocked at all if three teams do get in. So even if the Rams can't best the Seahawks as the NFC West champions, you know, there's still a ton to play for. And obviously, you know, with that being said, they still have two games against the Seahawks and two games against the Cardinals. So there's a lot of potential shifting that may happen in these standings within the NFC West. But with that being said, do you think that uh, the Rams should have made any moves at the trade deadline that could have potentially, Uh. you know, pushed them over the hump here as we get to the uh, most important games? I mean, it's one of my favorite things about Les Need. Some people, it yeah. drives them crazy, but I love that he's, you know, a, a gambler out there and making moves and not even to hear our names like sources are telling me Rams are interested in or, you know, Rams shopping Gerald Everett. Sorry, Gerald. I just, you're always in there for <laughs> me, but something, right? Take some value that we have and add to some places we don't have value. Like we talked about the linebackers. That's always been kind of a nerve wracking point for us this year. The O-line's really solidified itself. So we don't need to go out and get a, you know, they like went and got Corbett, you know, the, the year before way earlier in the season, but still they made that move to address something. Um, they must be happy with the way they got it right now, but I, just with some of the injuries the Rams had and, and some of the, you know, areas, I would have loved to see them go at least be players, at least be picking up phone calls. Maybe they were, we just didn't hear about it, but yeah, I was a little disappointed that, you know, you got a team, as we mentioned, the Niners are down and out and injured and kind of selling at this point. Uh, they got rid of Quan Alexander. I mean, and moving pieces it's just, I thought some somewhere we'd be in the mix for something, something to get excited about coming off this poor performance. But hey, McVay said, hey, we're going to come back, rally as a group and move forward. It, it, he kind of gave us this indication that nothing was really going to happen. So I'm not surprised by it. Am I disappointed? Yeah, a little bit. I, you know, I like the Madden style trading and, you know, let Les go out there and mix it up a little bit. The salary cap isn't real. I'm one of those believers. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like the flat earthers, but in the salary cap version. But um, yeah, it, not surprising at the end of the day uh, with what McVeigh said, but a little bit from knowing what Lesney likes to do and, and really what I like to see. But hey, this is our team and it's good enough to win. I agree. Yeah, it would have been fun to get a little splash move and, you know, potentially improve some areas that could use some help. But, you know, I, I'm not surprised either. I think the Rams kind of looked at 
the players that are going to be coming back from injury as additions, really. You know, you got Obanai Okoronkwo, who's probably going to come back in the next few weeks as an edge rusher. Uh, you got, obviously, Jordan Fuller, who could come out right out of the bye, really, as a starter again at safety. And then Ashawn Robinson, the nose tackle, yeah. who has yet to even play once for the Rams. And so, you know, I think they're kind of looking at these guys returning as additions to a defense that already looks really good. And, you know, I, I guess good you point. can't knock them for that. And it makes sense that defense, you know, one week they might look a little shaky, but really overall through eight games now, we've got a big enough sample size to uh, really step back and get a good look of what they are. And they look really, really good. So uh, I don't want to knock them too much. And, you know, you look around the league and it was pretty dead really everywhere. So yeah. I think the pandemic and the whole COVID salary cap situation kind of, you know, threw a wrench in terms of how aggressive teams were allowed to be this offseason and really during this season. Uh, and, you know, it played out, looked like at the trade deadline with really nobody doing much of anything outside of a very, very minor trade here or there. And so I guess that makes sense that the Rams didn't do much either. But make sure to check back in with us on Thursday when I hand out the midseason awards for the Los Angeles Rams. And just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP. You can find Brad at LA underscore Rambling Bear. And you can find the page at Lockdown Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.